uh, she she'll sing on Sunday, um, and I, I've 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 picked up a couple of uh, ideas along the way. I think a, I think I'd probably be a better evangelist if I let her sing about seven or eight songs and then I just preached for about three minutes. <laughs> I'd probably be a lot more successful. Uh, see, here, the the thing is, is the, that's the one that invited me. <laughs> oh, if you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Now, I will tell you this. Brother Gandy told you that he's going to keep you here for a while when he preaches on Wednesday night in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to prepare you for it just a little bit. <laughs> Daniel chapter 3 and verse 8, now that the church is nervous as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Amen. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound, and so he starts, I'm going to give you another chance, okay? When you hear the music, when you hear all the instruments, when you hear it, I'm going to give you another chance. And he said this, And who is that God? that will deliver you out of my hands. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O king Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for the power and the authority that's in your word. God, I thank you, Lord, for the anointing that I feel resting upon me even right now. I pray, Jesus, that your will would be done in the remainder of this service. Use me as your vessel, God. Let me say the words that you want me to say, and let us be prepared and ready to receive those words. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. There is a story sometime back that was going around about a father who was teaching his young daughter how to drive. And 
He took her out to the high school parking lot to practice, and on this particular trip, the three-year-old sister rode along in the back seat, and it was one of those days. It was just one of those days. On the first lap, she bounced up on the curb, and then while trying to negotiate a turn, she bounces up on another curb. A few moments later, she made the same mistake again and bounced up on a curb. And Finally, after almost hitting a light pole in the middle of the parking lot, she heard a small, nervous voice begin to pray, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. She slammed on her brakes, turned around to her sister in the back seat, and said, What in the world are you talking about? Her little sister looked at her and said, you're scaring me, and I feel like I needed to pray, and that's the only prayer that I knew. You know, sometimes from our limited point of view, we don't know how to pray. Sometimes we struggle. The Bible's very plain. The Bible lets us know very plainly that God's ways are above our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And though you and I know that he may very well understand where we are and he may very well have a purpose for the pain that we find ourselves in, we can't always see that purpose. We don't always have understanding. We don't always have clarity about what we're going through or why we're going through it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12 that we see through a glass darkly. We only know in part. We don't always understand why things are happening the way they're happening in our lives. And like it or not, our vision is limited. We can't see the broad scope of God's plan. Can't see the broad scope of His purpose. And sometimes trials come, and trouble comes, and problems come into our life. And being the people that we are, we hit our knees in prayer. And we pray for relief. And we pray for healing. And we pray for the situation to change. And we pray for the storm to go away. But sometimes our prayers seem to go unanswered. And so I want to ask you a hard question tonight. What will you do if the answer comes back and it's not what you so desperately want? What if God says no? What if God chooses not to deliver? What if He doesn't deliver? Sometimes we become so conditioned to the belief that God will say yes that we don't know what to do when God says no. And so I want to preach to you tonight from this subject. Even if He doesn't. Even if He doesn't. I want to challenge your faith in this room tonight. Somebody needs to come away with the understanding that I know God is able. And I know God can heal. And I know God can deliver. And I know God can provide for my financial need. But even if he doesn't, I'm still going to trust him. I'm still going to love him. 
I'm still going to worship him. I'm still going to praise him. I know God can, but even if he doesn't, everything is going to be all right. We've all heard the story of the three Hebrew boys plenty of times. Preachers have preached about the fourth man in the fire and the fact that he's just waiting in the midst of the fire for us when we go through a trial. And they preached about these three courageous men who stared into the face of the king and gained favor with God because they refused to compromise their convictions. Both of those points make for some real fun preaching. But I feel tonight to focus on the attitude that they had in the midst of it all that said, King, we're not careful to answer you. We know that God is able, but we also want you to understand this. Even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, King, you got to understand, we know God's able to deliver us from you. We know God's able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. We know that God could send an angel from heaven to deliver us from this persecution. We know that God could come to our defense and quench the fiery furnace that you want to throw us in. We know that God, if he desired, could bring your entire kingdom crashing down around you. We know that he could. But even if he doesn't, King, if God stays silent in the midst of my crisis, I'm still going to trust him. If he stays silent in the midst of my dilemma, I'm not going to be shaken on what I believe. I know in whom I have believed. And they said, King, here's the thing. We don't know what's fixing to happen. And they didn't know yet. They did not know when they looked that king in the eyes and said, even if he doesn't, they didn't know what was going to happen next. They didn't know what the outcome was going to be. They were not certain that they were not fixing to walk straight into their death. For all they knew, they were speaking the final words that they would ever speak. For all they knew, they were writing their own death sentence. For all they knew, they were going to wake up the next morning in glory. But if it, it's almost like they didn't care. It's almost as if they had reached the point where it did not matter. And I believe that their attitude said this, King, just in case... We never get a chance to tell you again. Let us make ourselves crystal clear. We're never going to bow to your graven image. We're never going to serve your gods. We're never going to forsake the experience that we have with Almighty God. We're never going to turn our back on Him. We don't know what's going to happen in the next few minutes, but let us just say this right here and right now. We know God is able, but even if He doesn't, we're still going to worship Him, and we're still not going to bow to you. And I wish somebody in this place tonight would come to the same conclusion. I wish you would settle the issue right here and right now. God is able to deliver me. God can help me out of this trial. God can do it. But even if he doesn't, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know if God's going to heal me or not. I don't know if God's going to deliver me or not. I don't know if he's 
going to meet my financial need or not. But devil, just in case I never get another chance to tell you, let me tell you right here and now, I know God is able, but even if he doesn't, I'm still going to serve him. If I die in this fiery furnace, that's okay. Because if that happens, I'm just going to wake up shouting on the hills of glory. So just in case, let's go on record right now. I will trust him no matter what tomorrow holds. If my prayers go unanswered, I'm going to trust him. If I wake up tomorrow and I'm still in the same dilemma that I'm in tonight, I'm still going to trust him. When it defies all sense of rationality, I still will trust him. My mind goes to the man we know as Job. Let's just think about it. Job had to be one of the most confused men that ever walked the face of the earth. I mean, here's a man who the Bible says that he loved God and he hated evil. Job was a man who was well-respected in his community and beyond. In fact, the Bible says that he was the greatest man in all the East. He was the poster child of a godly life. His was a life that was the perfect fulfillment of Deuteronomy 22, or excuse me, Deuteronomy 28, where God promised that if a person would hearken to his commandments and do them, they would be blessed. That passage in Deuteronomy gives these promises to the faithful. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou hast settest thine hand to do. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. That's Job. That is Job. Job was all of that. He was blessed on every front because he loved the Lord and obeyed his commandments. But Brother Gandhi, all of a sudden, just like that, everything changed. Without provocation, without reason, Without any kind of change in Job's lifestyle, he didn't curse God. He didn't turn to false gods. He didn't backslide. 
Job was just busy doing what was right. He was still loving God and still hating evil. But without warning and without apology and without explanation, Job's life was instantly turned upside down. You don't have to raise your hand, but anybody ever felt like you've been there before? I'm being faithful. I'm being faithful to the kingdom. I'm being faithful to my family. I'm being faithful in my finances. I'm being faithful to God. I'm being faithful in every way that I know to be. And then all of a sudden, boom. And suddenly you're spinning. And it feels like everything's going out of control. And we wonder why. In one day, thieves stole his oxen. Fire fell from heaven and consumed his sheep. The Chaldeans took off with his camels. A tornado destroyed the home where his children were and their spouses were. And then on top of it all, in the midst of his grief, Job's own health began to fail him. Job must have wondered, what in the world is going on? What is happening to me right now? I'm sure that Job probably looked around and said, you know, this wasn't in the brochure. That, that Deuteronomy 28 brochure, the whole blessed going out and blessed coming in and blessed in the field and blessed in the city and blessed in the house and blessed here and blessed there and blessed for this and blessed for that. That, that was a great brochure and I bought every bit of it. Nobody told me about this. Job must have been shocked as his world fell to pieces around him. His own wife turned against him. And then Job's friends showed up. And they were such good friends and had so much confidence in Job that they began to ask him, look man, what kind of stuff did you do? What kind of evil person have you turned into that would cause all of this to happen to you? The epitome of loneliness now is where Job finds himself exasperated, puzzled, no idea why, no explanation, no understanding. But in all of his trials, one thing never changed. The Bible says that in the midst of it all, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. And as if that was not admirable enough, this is what really amazes me about Job's experience with God. One day as he was sitting there in a pile of ashes, scraping the boils that were on his skin, searching deeply within his soul to try and figure out, try to reason out what happened and why it happened and how long is this going to last? And his friends came to comfort him. And if everybody had friends like Job, we wouldn't need enemies. Job's friends wanted to lament on how unfair Job's whole situation was. And they said, Job, doesn't it anger you that God won't say anything to you? Doesn't it just really frustrate you, Job, that God won't at least give you an explanation for his actions? Job, don't you ever get upset and question God? Job looked at his buddies and said, Guys, 
I'm not going to lie to you. I'd love to speak to God and ask Him some questions. I wish that I could talk to Him. I wish that there was a mediator that could come between us so that I could take counsel with Him. But I cannot do that because He is not a man like I am. That we could sit and discuss things. But Job didn't stop there. He went on. He said, but you know, boys, I've been sitting around thinking. And the only thing that could happen now that would be any worse than what has already happened would be if God personally stepped out of the heavens, rode down here on his white horse with a flaming sword in his hand and looked me in the eyes and drove the sword right through my heart. That's the only thing I can think of right now that would be worse than where I'm at. But he didn't stop there. Brother Gandhi, he continued. And he said, but just in case, that's what's going to happen. Just in case I don't wake up to see the morning sun blazing over the eastern horizon one more time. Let me just say this right here and right now. If I never get another chance, I want to say it right now. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I know that God can. I know that he can, but even if he doesn't, I will still trust him. And we'll come back Sunday morning and we'll have fun and we'll dance and shout. But tonight I walk to this pulpit feeling strongly that someone in this room tonight needs to settle that kind of determined faith. Where you walk out of here saying, though he slay me. I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through right now. I don't understand why I find myself in the valley that I'm in right this moment. But though He slay me, I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to see the big picture. I just need to trust in Him. And come what may, whatever happens, I will not stop trusting Him. Lift your hands all over this room right now. Just lift your hands right now. The Holy Ghost is in this room. I've got more left to preach. We may get there, we may not, but just lift your hands all over this room. In the name of Jesus. God, I don't understand, but I trust you. God, it doesn't make sense. But I trust you. Mm. 
Come on, somebody. Just go ahead and, and, and follow what you feel right now. Come on, somebody. I, I, I got more left to preach. I don't have to go any further. If, if the Holy Ghost is fixing to take over, let's go there. I, I want you to do what you feel right now. The Holy Ghost is in this room. There, there, there is the strength of a mighty God in this room right now. I, I know there's people in here that you're facing the trial of your life right now. And you got more questions than you've got answers, but the Holy Ghost came in this room tonight, and it may not be here to give you answers, but it will be here to put its arm around you and gird you with strength. Oh. <laughs> oh Jesus <laughs> Oh I trust you God I trust you God Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. You got to know. You got to know the words to the song that we sing are not just words. When we say, even when I can't see it, even when I can't see it, he's working. I know you're in pain right now. I know some of you are in heartache right now. I know that there's, there's undeniable, unimaginable pain that's taken hold of some of your spirits. I know that right now. But I also know that God wants you to understand this, that his purpose is greater than your pain. Where he's taking you is going to be greater than any amount of pain that you may feel in the moment. Don't stop trusting him. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I'm not going any further right now. I, I'm not going any further. I'm, we want the Holy Ghost to have its way right now. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. These altars are open. If you come to the altar, fine. If you want to see where you're at, fine. But let's turn this place into a prayer room right now. We want to turn this sanctuary into a prayer room right now. The Holy Ghost is in this room. Even if He doesn't, I refuse to backslide. I refuse to get bitter. I refuse to get confused to the point that I become delusioned by what I'm going through. I refuse. I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to stay committed. I'm going to stay steadfast and unmovable. I'm going to trust in Him.
Yes, 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 yes. Come on, somebody go to war right now. Somebody go to war right now. The devil fully intended that what you're facing right now would be what takes you out. The devil fully intended that what you're surrounded by right now would be the very thing that would destroy your soul. But somebody go to war right now. I refuse. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to lose my confidence in God. I will trust him. There will be joy when the morning comes. There will be a day that I dance again. There will be moments of victory that come in the near future. But for now, devil, if I don't ever get another chance to tell you this, if I don't ever get another moment that I can say this, I want to say it now. I won't bow. I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand. Oh. <laughs>